how can we cultivate our authentic personal style in a trend-focused, overconsumption-driven world? What would it mean to truly democratize fashion? As in, not the fast fashion co-opted use of the term, but genuine style democracy. And how can fashion move beyond using diversity as a buzzword to create a holistically inclusive and intersectional sustainable fashion future? In this episode, my co-host Stella Hartantio is interviewing stylist Natalie Shahada, who you'll hear much more about in a moment, to explore these topics and more. You can also watch the full video version of this interview with Stella and Natalie on YouTube on our channel, Conscious Life in Style. Closed captioning is available for all of our podcast videos for accessibility as well. If you're looking for more sustainable fashion resources, join thousands of other slow fashion enthusiasts and subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Conscious Edit, at ConsciousLifeInStyle.com forward slash edit. I hope to see you there. All right, now let's get to Stella's conversation with Natalie. Sustainability has become little more than a buzzword in fashion. What would it really take to build a more sustainable, responsible, and equitable fashion system? That's what we're dedicated to exploring on the Conscious Style podcast. Each Tuesday, you can join me, Elizabeth Joy, and me, Stella Hertantio, along with our lineup of change-making guests to navigate the sea of greenwashing and to build a better future for fashion. Welcome to the Conscious Style Podcast. I'm Stella and today I am delighted to be in conversation with Natalie Shahata about all things pre-loved fashion and thrifted style, the urgent need to move beyond diversity as a buzzword in fashion, and how we can begin to nurture a holistically inclusive, intersectional, sustainable fashion world. And if you're unfamiliar with Natalie, she is a sustainable and ethical stylist having worked in the fashion industry for 15 years at the intersections of ethical fashion, vintage, secondhand, thrift, the social enterprise, and not-for-profit space. And as the founder and editor of Tommy Magazine, which is an online and real-life community and destination for creative women with a conscience, she's a known spokesperson, community builder, and non-traditional educator using the medium of style, to amplify systemic human rights issues within the fashion industry. She's also an advocate for democratizing fashion and creates change through color, conversations, community, and connection. And as you can probably hear from all of that, this is going to be a very insightful and joyful conversation. Natalie, I'm so excited to finally be in conversation with you. And before we dive into your journey in the fashion world and all of the lessons you've learned along the way, The first question we're asking everyone in the segment of the podcast is, what does conscious style mean to you? Thank you so much, Stella. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to finally be chatting with you. I feel like we've we've had conversations back and forth via email for the last (laughs) couple of months. So I am really honored to be speaking with you today and sharing, yeah, imparting all I know um, from being in the industry for a couple of decades now. So Conscious style to me, I think that's such an awesome question, um, really comes down to wearing your values. And so I know that there's a lot of kind of terms we use now in the sustainable and ethical fashion space. But to me, when I think about conscious style, it really means 
clothing yourself and adorning yourself with items that align with your values and what you want to put out into the world. And so I think sometimes when we we talk about conscious style, we think about, okay, what can I wear or how can I style an outfit that does the least harm to the planet and to people? But what I also like to think about when it comes to style is what can I contribute? How can it invite people in? And I like to do that with my clothing a lot in the sense that what we wear can really start very meaningful and powerful conversations. So really for me, wearing items and conscious style means how can I combine an outfit, create an outfit that gives back and is also an invitation for people to come in into the space where they may not traditionally know much about and start a conversation. So if I'm wearing a thrifted piece or I'm wearing an item that is from a locally made brand or a social enterprise, I can let them know about the issues within this industry and space. I love that. You answered it so beautifully. And I was just nodding because I can relate to that conversation starter and like a way of welcoming people in, especially because I'm an introvert. So I almost use my like style as my kind of conversation starter when I'm too nervous to do that in words. And then it's such a beautiful way to start speaking about the story behind what I'm wearing and also get to know somebody else in their style. So yes, I love that as a reflection of our values and just like the intention that you put into that answer. So thank you so much. Of what a great course. way to start the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I really want to dive into your work and your journey. But before we do that, I think I want to start with some context just so we can get to know you a little bit better. And I wondered if you could share the first moment that you remember being curious about fashion and what led you to do the work that you do today in the sustainable fashion space. Gosh, the first moment, that's <laughs> the first moment I think I was interested in fashion is probably as young as maybe five years old. So I remember, <laughs> so I remember my brother was born and my mum was in the hospital for many days. And so I was being taken care of by my older brother, who's significantly older than me, like 12 years older than me, and my dad and my uncle. So I'm kind of the only girl in the family. And I remember the moment where we went to go and visit my brother in the hospital and I got dressed up. And for me, when I'm excited about something, I wear all the layers, all the things you can think of, all the accessories, all the color. And there's a photo of me and my mom still has it. And I just love it because it really kind of defines the moment of excitement. I was wearing like mismatched colored socks with pattern, two 90s headbands, like two in a row that were like fluoro colored, a really big 90s scrunchie. I remember wearing this Jurassic Park graphic tee. And so for me, I always expressed myself through style and getting dressed up. And that for me is definitely a moment in my memory that I have of being interested in clothing and the power it has in evoking emotion, for sure. <laughs> That's incredible. I love, I was just kind of picturing you walking into the hospital. 
in this incredibly like colorful layered outfit and yeah. I think it's amazing that like as young as five you were able to also have that sense of style and like be playful in the way that you put outfits together and it definitely like that your sense of play um and joy in your outfits has definitely carried through because that's what struck me when I first started following <laughs> you online so that's amazing I definitely use clothing as a way to express myself for sure yeah I love that and I think <laughs> To continue on that, I, you know, what I really admire about you is that your style is so unapologetically you and it's so unique to who you are. I have not really seen anybody else dress the way you do. And I think that's what has really inspired me, even just looking through your account when a post popped up in my feed. It's just like <laughs> such a nice reminder that I don't have to like try to be anybody else. But I think, I think I was wondering if you could tell us another story of a piece of clothing, perhaps like your favorite piece of clothing that speaks to who you are? Hmm. Gosh. I mean, all of the clothes that I have in my wardrobe speak to me in different ways. And I think that's part of also the work that I do and just my love for clothing and, and style is that everything that I have in my wardrobe is a representation of me in some way. But I think one of the pieces that definitely comes to mind is my bomber jacket that I have was made by women from the refugee new migrant community and it's from the social outfit. So they are a social mm -hmm. enterprise and ethical fashion brand that I worked with just before I moved to Los Angeles now. So it was my most recent job and it's a piece that I wear with pride and an item that I will have in my wardrobe forever. So it's very special because the garment makers that cut the fabric and made the fabric are women that I got to know very well and worked closely with over the last two years working in my role at the social outfit as retail trainer, working with uh, young refugee women and, and new migrant women. Wow. And the artworks are just incredible. So they were created by five emerging women from the refugee and migrant community, and they represent their culture, their identity, and all the artworks are just so playful and fun. And it's just a collage of color and just rainbow amazingness. And I wear it with pride because I know the stories behind the journeys of these women and the courage that they have and the bravery that they have in migrating to a new country and that it provides employment and training for them. And the item was literally made above the retail store that I used to work in, in our local manufacturing workroom. And so it holds a lot of special memories for me. So that item is definitely a marker, I guess, in my in my work kind of history and pathway that will always be very special to me. Wow. Yeah. I love listening to that story. And I think <laughs> it's like such a good reminder of that emotional connection that we can have to clothing and how it can really spark conversations and be like, um, also just a placeholder for culture and people's identities and stories beyond just like something that we wear and how much depth there was to that story just really spoke to that, which I love. Yeah, totally. And it goes back to kind of what you were saying about conscious style. You know, usually when I wear that jacket, it's 
so colorful that it does invite people in and they'll talk about the color and how vibrant it is. But then it's just an amazing, like you say, opportunity for me to be able to then share the story of the work of the social outfit and just how, yeah, just the mission and just these women and their stories. It's incredible. Yeah. That is truly incredible. And like you said, it's almost like an entry point for people to learn about issues and stories that are so much bigger than just that garment. And I love, I'm just remembering the importance of of clothing as something beyond just like aesthetics, you know. That's right. Yeah. And I think I want to chat more about your personal style journey. And as you've been speaking, I've been just like listening to the depth in your style and how you dress so beautifully but there's also so much intention behind it and I feel like getting to the point where it feels like your style fully represents who you are is like a long and non-linear journey and I know I'm still on that journey and many of us are as well and I was wondering if there's something that you have had to unlearn in your personal style journey to get to the point where like your style is an authentic representation of who you are especially because we live in such a trend-focused world where we're always being told what we should be wearing to look good or to complete our look or our wardrobe. And it's quite hard to disconnect from that sometimes. So yeah, is there anything that you've had to unlearn? I think, you know, I've been in this space for such a long time now that I've navigated that. And I just love that clothing is a form of expression for me. But I guess if I was speaking to my younger self or perhaps if I was speaking to a styling client, for example, or even just speaking to the young women that I used to mentor and coach and we would have conversations about style, one thing I guess I always want people to know is that difference is okay and that we don't need to fit into a box and fit into the mold of what is being told to us or what is being dictated to us by marketing and campaigns and and fast fashion. So I think for me, I always want people to know that difference should be celebrated. It shouldn't be pushed away and it, it should be embraced. But I think in that line of thinking as well, there is a lot of nuance to that question because I think, as you say, it does take time to figure out what our style is, but it's not a destination that we always arrive at. Style changes as we change, our lifestyle changes. And we saw this very much during the pandemic and, and living through COVID times in that the way we dressed changed. And I think it's okay to experiment with style as long as you are the one that is making the choice rather than being influenced by outside noise and outside stimulus telling us that we should be something else or we should be wearing something. And I think that that can be tricky for people to navigate when they are kind of starting perhaps their journey within the sustainable fashion space because they think that they don't have permission or they're not allowed to try things because they don't want to be part of a consumerist kind of culture. Yeah. But I think that if we're trying things with intention, that that's okay. I'll never kind of advocate for a highly consumerist kind of culture in just buying so much but I think that as our bodies change yeah what we wear changes we change jobs 
and what we wear changes. So it's a natural thing to to kind of look at the clothing we wear as we go through different life cycles and and want to navigate difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that I would say give yourself permission to try new things and experiment with style because at the end of the day, I truly believe clothing should be fun and playful and, you know, an expression of who we are. But that does, that will kind of, there is an ebb and flow to that. Of course. And I think we also just have to give ourselves grace in that because we change so much in our lives. We can't expect that our style is going to stay the same. And sometimes we don't even have control over those changes, whether it's health related or, you know, lifestyle related. There's so many things that that we can't control. And I think that we just have to really emphasize grace in this movement and allow people to take part in ways that works for them. So I love how you explained that. And I think I was also thinking about how in the first episode of the season of the podcast, it was a conversation with Carrie Wilde, who calls herself Mm -hmm. a soul stylist. And she was really saying like, we so much focused on how we look that we sometimes forget to check in with how we feel. That's right. And I think like that's something that I've really had to focus on in terms yeah. of sticking to how do I feel in this as opposed to like what I'm being told is going to look good on me or what's going right. to make me look like attractive to other people, you know? So that's right. I think I've been trying to tap into that a lot more lately and it definitely aligns yeah. with what you were saying. And just to extend on that as well, because that's a really good point is, you know, in the traditional styling world as well, we women especially are often told certain shapes and certain cuts that you're Mm -hmm. supposed to wear for your body shape. Our bodies are often likened to shapes of fruit and all the rest of it, you know. And so I'm very anti that because I think if you feel good in something, then you are allowed to wear that. Give yourself permission to wear that. For me, for example, you know, I am a traditional hourglass shape. I am I'm short and petite, but I am quite curvy at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so there are a lot of kind of vintage shapes that I wear that perhaps a traditional stylist would tell me I am not allowed to wear because it doesn't emphasize a certain part of my body, but it makes me feel good. And I don't care that I shouldn't be wearing this shape, if that makes sense. So for me, I think that a lot of those rules we need to eradicate and really just wear what brings us joy. Wearwell is your destination for finding vetted, sustainable, and slow fashion brands that suit your personal style. Whether your style leans minimalist or maximalist, preppy or rocker chic, classic or bold, or you just love your basics and athleisure, you'll want to check out online conscious marketplace Wearwell at shopwearwell.com. You can use the code CONSCIOUS20 for 20% off your first order. Wearwell curates clothing, accessories, and jewelry from trusted fair fashion brands in a range of aesthetics. And yes, they also have a resale program called Wearwell Again, where you can shop secondhand pieces that were sustainably made in the first place. Wearwell goes through a multi-step process with all of their brand partners to ensure they're working with brands that are truly conscious. 
A brand's conscious qualities could include zero waste or small batch production, major order, employee-owned, circular model, and or BIPOC-owned, among many more. To browse Wearwell's curation, head to shopwearwell.com. That's shop, W-E-A-R-W-E-L-L.com. And be sure to use the code CONSCIOUS20 for 20% off your first order at Wearwell. The link and code will also be in the episode description. Perfectly said. (laughs) Perfectly said. And we have to, it's harder than you think to tap back into that intuition sometimes. So it's like an unlearning as well of all this messaging that's happening all the time, but it's a journey. And I think, as you were saying, like we can also find ways to experiment with style and changing styles in ways that are sustainable. And uh, one of those, I know for me and for many others probably as well, is like shopping secondhand and going to swaps and borrowing things from friends and family and I know that you're an avid (laughs) thrifter and secondhand enthusiast, and you have been for a long time. And you've also spoken about how thrifting democratizes fashion. So could you share a bit about what you love about thrifting and also what has taught you about clothing? Yes, absolutely. I do love thrifting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) So one of the things that I love about thrifting and why I talk about it so much and and kind of advocate for it is because it gives everybody access to items they potentially may not have had access to. So for me, I started thrifting as a very young person out of necessity because it is all my family was able to afford. So secondhand and pre-loved and and thrifted and op-shopped pieces, as we call back in Australia, pieces <laughs> that I grew up wearing and, and owning because it is all we could afford. So I think, you know, I love that it gives us access to pieces that we may not be able to afford brand new whilst simultaneously helping not-for-profits if it is a charity thrift store that you are buying for, carry out the charitable work that they do through the profits and the sale of those goods. And for me as well, thrifting style and and kind of social justice go hand in hand for me. And thrifting is a gateway to that because it is also a, a way that marginalized folk gain dignity as well. And I think we often forget that closing can be such a powerful way for us to feel part of community and feel like kind of active participant of the world. And I know that sometimes people don't necessarily think about thrifting in that way, but, you know, the work that I do and the people that I kind of, communities that I advocate for, thrifting is their only entry point to having material items a lot of the time. So, you know, if you're a single mom and you're going for a job interview, but you can't afford a new outfit, thrifting is a great way to be able to get that piece of clothing for that really important life event and feel empowered. The young women that I work with from the refugee and migrant and asylum seeker community are young women that are stylish and have ways that they want to express themselves and thrifting is a way that they have access to being able to communicate to the world that I am more than my story and these are the clothes that I want to wear now that I'm in a new country and it's a form of liberation 
So thrifting for me is multifaceted and it is a very powerful way to gain access for sure. Mm, Yeah, that was really, really, I don't know, just really meaningful to hear. And I think also reminded me of how affirming clothing can be and style can be for many different reasons, but especially because I, I believe that everybody should kind of have access to things that make them feel like they are seen and affirmed and just like make you feel comfortable in who you are. And like you were saying, thrifting is really an avenue for that. And I know you use this term democratizing fashion, you know, when you speak about thrifting and you've kind of touched on it now. And when I first heard you speak about that, I was kind of interested because I've heard this term being used in the fast fashion industry as like a reason for justifying why fast fashion has come about and kind of the role that it plays in our system. And I was wondering if you have any thoughts on, I guess, that and is there a difference in the way that you use it in the thrifting world and the way it's used in other contexts? Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess for me, when I talk about democratizing fashion, what I like to say and what I mean is that we have autonomy over what it is that we choose to wear, which in and of itself sometimes is a privilege. But democratizing fashion to me means that we are flattening structures and hierarchies. So it means that we have the choice, we have the autonomy over our bodies, and we decide what we want to wear. So I often use the language now that I don't work in the fashion space, but I work kind of in the style space because for me, fashion at least to me and in my my world and my experience, fashion is something that is cyclical. Mm-hmm. There are trends, there are seasons, and we know with fast fashion in particular, like you say, we have so many trends constantly now that aren't seasonal, that are daily, that are weekly, that are, you know. So there are constant communication that this is the next new thing and what you just thought was the in thing is already out and we're moving on to something else now. And so for me, democratizing fashion focuses on style instead of fashion. It focuses on individuality. It focuses on creating unlikely, quirky, unique combinations so that we stand out from the crowd and we are all like every single one of us on this planet is completely different so it makes sense it only makes logical sense to me that the way that we dress be completely different and unique and I guess for me just the idea of flattening those kind of structures means that We don't have to belong to something that we think we should belong to and that we create the rules. So I think one of the things I love about style is that it brings people together and it's a form of unity and connection. But those kind of ideas can also be quite isolating as well in that maybe we don't have the means to be a part of a certain group or structure and I never think that clothing should separate us I think that clothing and style should bring us together and I think that that's something that 
I don't like about fashion in many ways is that it can make us feel othered. Right. And so for me, essentially democratizing fashion means focusing on style where you are in control in the way that you dress and express yourself. Yeah, it's almost like a reclamation because I feel yes. like fashion has taken style and and like you said, almost made it synonymous, like style and fashion are the same thing. And there's actually a big difference because style is so personal and fashion in with like a capital F or however you want to speak about it often feels like something beyond us, you know, like it's a rule book. And there are definitely like set ways that you are or aren't fashionable and style is something much more. Yeah, it's something that much can connect us so much more because it speaks to our personality. And I think it just opens up way more way more opportunity to just play as well and really get to know yourself too and what works for you. I think that style is kind of an an internal journey whereas sometimes yeah. I feel like fashion is an external journey. And that's not to say that I think there are amazing people that take a lot of trends and and turn them into really cool things. But I think for me, it's just not something that I am inspired by. I love just being able to have free reign on what I can wear. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I agree. I feel the same. And I think you said something earlier about style and social justice going hand in hand for you. And I just, that stuck with me and I wanted to chat more <laughs> about that because I know that beyond your style being, as we've spoken about, very expressive and linked to your personality and your joy and all of the things that you care about, it also speaks to something much deeper, which is like this need for representation and inclusivity and also visibility in the sustainable fashion space and the fashion and style space in general. And I know that Diversity has become this buzzword that we hear all the time now, all the marketing campaigns. But I'm I'm wondering what is forgotten when we use diversity merely as a buzzword and also what's not mentioned when it comes to understanding the roots of diversity in fashion and sustainability. Yeah, that's a really amazing question. I guess for me, when we think about diversity in fashion and in the sustainable fashion space also, I often in the past have spoken about how the word has become a buzzword and can be quite tokenistic because I think if we look at how we use it and what it means, it essentially means we are trying to do something that doesn't exist and almost kind of tick a box, right? So it's not holistic in its roots and it's not holistic in the way in which something was created. So in the last few years, we've heard about diversity in fashion and what that usually looks like is people kind of creating marketing campaigns where we're seeing more diversity represented in the sense that we see more body shapes represented. We see more skin texture represented. We see black and brown women represented front and center in marketing campaigns. But if we're looking at that brand in particular, are those women also in decision-making roles? 
Are those women founders of those brands? Are those women being paid as much as the CEOs of these fashion brands? And who are the women making those clothes? So we often have brands that are created by non-BIPOC women and they are the story holders of that brand. But then we have BIPOC women represented in marketing campaigns. And so I think for me, when I think about diversity in fashion, I think that it almost needs to just be recreated. We need to like start from scratch. And I often say that it needs to be for us and by us. So it needs to be created by BIPOC and for BIPOC because I think that at the moment it can be tokenistic and we are not, We are not the groups of people and the communities who are making the most important decisions and are in leadership roles and being paid what we should be being paid. And so to me, this is why I ultimately think diversity is a buzzword because there isn't a holistic inclusion of BIPOC within fashion and in sustainable fashion. It's a very nuanced topic for sure and there's a lot that needs to be changed and recreated I think I couldn't agree more and I think we also need to think about why like diversity why it matters in terms of we're trying to rethink the systems in fashion and so yes it's really important to have representation in media because we know like that has ripple effects for the way people see themselves and and feel seen and experience style and fashion but if it's just a photo shoot and we aren't rethinking power structures and wealth distribution and the way businesses are run then it starts to be it feel tokenistic as you were saying so I think for me I'm always trying to return to like when we think about sustainable fashion we're trying to change the system so it's not going to take one photo shoot we're really going to have to think beyond that like to how clothes are made who's able to experience those clothing items and what does the wealth distribution look like and how are we challenging systems of power? And that's why I really just appreciated you kind of speaking about those ripple effects and how diversity and the narratives that we've been hearing and been fed a lot of the time in the past few years as, as it's become like much more buzzwordy needs to go much deeper than that, you know? Yeah, like it's not enough that women of colour are in marketing campaigns. I mean, yes, that is huge progress because one of the big reasons for kind of being in this space was also because I never saw anybody that looked like me in the fashion world. And when I started my styling journey, there wasn't anybody that looked like me from my background that did participate in the fashion world. So representation is definitely a huge part of that. But we can't have representation and then have black and brown bodies being exploited to make those clothes. So like you say, there needs to be a system change, but we do have to start somewhere as well. And I do acknowledge that. But I think that I'm always going to be advocating for the rights of BIPOC and making sure that we are within the system as well. We are changing the system so that we are front and center. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. But I wanted to 
going to ask you about that, like the intersection of media and representation, because I know that you've also spoken about how we don't see the relationship often between representation in the media and sustainability. And yeah, I was wondering if you could expand on that and just shed some light on what that relationship is in your eyes. I mean, I guess the way that I understand that question is that the industry is still a very whitewashed industry. So when we talk about representation in media, there is still not enough women of colour represented in in fashion media. And that's something that's only changed in the last, I would say, five years. But I guess, you know, to talk about what I brought up just before is that when I started out in the fashion world and in the style space, there was nobody that looked like me that had brown hair, brown eyes, that came from a socioeconomic background that I grew up in. You know, I never thought that people like me were even allowed to participate in the fashion world. So for me, it was never something that I really thought I was allowed to do as a job or be a part of. I wasn't allowed to be a part of that industry at all. It was just something that was over there in a different world and it wasn't a world that I was allowed to access in any way. So it has changed definitely in the last 15 years in that it has been democratised in some ways also because of social media and just more voices being heard and seen. But I think we still have a very long way to go because I think that the people that still hold power within the space are not necessarily women of colour. And I think that that can be quite a controversial issue within the sustainability space because if we think about sustainability and who the original vanguards are of sustainability, it is people of colour, communities and cultures and the care in which we have for land and people. And so I think when we think about sustainability and and the sustainable fashion space, there is a lot of work to do because it is a space that is being co-opted and commodified and sustainability at its core is not that. It's not something that you can buy into. It is a way of living And I guess for me, that is why sometimes (laughs) I have an issue with the words like diversity being a buzzword because sustainability is essentially who we are as people of colour. And it's not something that is really being embraced. Our way of living is not being embraced and we we are not the ones that have the power, I think. And so it's a nuanced and layered (laughs) no completely and I think even just like you were saying the representation that we're starting to see now or in the past few years of what sustainable fashion is beyond just buying into different brands which is obviously really important to support independent designers and small slow fashion brands but also that it is like you were saying a way of life and it's something that you have to change in the way that you think about the way you interact with the world and the people around Mm. you 
And it's definitely an emotional shift that has to happen. And I think that even when I started being interested in sustainable fashion, living and having grown up in South Africa, when I started researching it, I couldn't find any research or articles that or blogs from the continent. And I was really like, I felt a disconnect because I was like, I'm reading all these things from the global north and I'm wondering what it means here. And so I went on my own mission to find that out. But it's interesting as you learn that there's so many sustainable practices that people don't call sustainable because it's just not the language that has been around for many, many hundreds of years. But that is the way that many people live. And like you were saying, it goes back to people of color cultures and just lineages and traditions that still exist today, but our language is different or it's not part of this movement. And I think that we have to always remember that, that roots, because then we don't have to fall into these buzzwords and we can really understand that this, this beyond a movement is something that has to happen like emotionally within all of us yeah. to shift the way we exist in the world. Yeah. And I know this is kind of somewhat unrelated, but I always think it's good to kind of give examples as well in that, for example, in the social enterprise space, there are a lot of amazing communities of colour that would like to create sustainability or environmentalism-driven social enterprises and not-for-profits. And it is incredibly hard for people of colour to gain funding in comparison to non-BIPOC people. And so I think when we're looking at that, that is a very interesting concept because you were talking about wealth distribution earlier as well. And if we if we are finding it difficult and challenging to even get funding to be able to continue on and share the work that we do and our ancestral roots, there's a problem with that system, right? If we are not the people that have the power to be able to kind of have those practices live on because we aren't able to gain funding. And rather, in comparison, non-BIPOC people are able to get funding for similar startups in which are not a part of their lineage or history. Right. Um, so I think I know that that kind of V's off fashion, but there are amazing, amazing people that are starting want to start fashion initiatives that support communities of colour and it's incredibly difficult. So I think that the more we talk about these realities openly, the more we understand and it, it paints a picture of what is actually happening and that we need to find the resources and tools to kind of disrupt that system. Do you want to start or grow a career in sustainable fashion? Find your next career opportunity on Conscious Fashion Collective's job board at consciousfashion.co forward slash jobs. You'll find everything from internships to advanced roles and everything in between in a variety of fields within vetted sustainable fashion brands and organizations. You can also sign up for the Conscious Fashion Collective job newsletter to get career opportunities delivered to your inbox every other week. And if you work for a brand or organization that's hiring, you can also submit your job opening. All of that can be found at consciousfashion.co forward slash jobs, and the links will be in the episode description. 
Yeah. And I feel like speaking about creating these spaces and disrupting is a perfect time to talk about Tommy Magazine because <laughs> everything we've been speaking about just speaks to, I guess, what Tommy does and, and your visions for for what you would like an inclusive, holistically inclusive and intersectional, sustainable fashion world to look like. So could you just share a bit more about what Tommy Magazine does today and what you're on a mission to create or cultivate in the fashion and style industry? Yeah, absolutely. So yes, I started Tommy back in 2017 and it's an in real life and online community that connects women so our slogan is the destination for creative women with a conscience. So I ultimately started it because I was also seeking things that didn't exist within the fashion space and the sustainable fashion space. So as somebody that kind of always wore thrifted clothing and, and secondhand and vintage pieces, there wasn't kind of a destination or any kind of I guess, communication or platform that really focused on that way of dressing and style as a way to be part of sustainability. So, you know, we had kind of blogs that kind of explored personal style, but there wasn't that link and that connection back then when I was in the space of how actually dressing this way was a way to be conscious of our environment um, and to kind of just explore self-expression at the same time. So I kind of wanted to link all of the things that I was really passionate about into one kind of community platform. And so there weren't really ethical stylists or eco stylists when I started out in, in my journey. And so I really wanted to kind of go, okay, I can't be the only one that is interested in these things. There has to be more people like me out there that are interested in this way of dressing as a political statement, as a social justice statement, because I didn't want to use mainstream fashion to kind of style editorials back when I started. It's not something that spoke to me. It wasn't aligned with my values. I wanted to just use secondhand and thrifted pieces and prove that you never had to kind of compromise style and that creative editorials could be inspirational and it just wasn't really being done. So I kind of thought, okay, well, I need to be the one that starts this and creates this. <laughs> and it kind of goes hand in hand with everything that we were speaking about. So my first-hand experience also working in the fashion space was a difficult one for sure. You know, I know I've spoken about it with you in kind of previous articles, but I interned at fashion magazines and I just wasn't able to, I guess, get the opportunities that other people were afforded because I didn't have the financial privilege, I didn't have the time privilege of working for free for such large amounts of time. So a lot of my internships, there were other, other young women there that were able to kind of work for free for months and even years on end to kind of be able to gain access and gain entry into it into the industry. So when we talk about kind of ethical fashion as well, we often don't discuss the exploitation that happens 
behind the scenes yes. in terms of interning and the free labor that a lot of young people do to kind of gain entry. And so this was probably kind of, we're talking 2008, 2009, so quite a while ago now. It still happens. <laughs> it still happens. That's right. It does still happen. But I think especially kind of in the magazine industry back then, because magazines were so popular and as a stylist, I really wanted to be able to work on kind of creating these amazing editorials. And that was the way you went about it by interning at magazines. And I just didn't have, yeah, I didn't have the the privilege of being able to offer so much free labor because I wasn't living at home. I had to support myself. I was at uni. I was also at fashion college. I was doing working two jobs to sustain myself, but also trying to gain entry and access into a industry that is very much built on elitism and privilege. And so I kind of wanted to start something that was for everybody and that was completely accessible and where we spoke about these kinds of things in the open and that was a very safe space for people to come together to learn about all of these really tricky issues that sometimes we have a hard time talking about. And I wanted to create an environment where we could have these conversations where there was no criticism or judgment because we can't do better if we don't know better. And, you know, we have to learn from each other. And so for me, ultimately, the Tommy platform is about community and connection and collaboration and color and all of those fun, all of those fun, but sometimes hard things because I was seeking those things as well. So I think a lot of, a lot of the time people will create the thing that isn't out there in the world. And that's ultimately what I did with Tommy. And I think, you know, one of the unique things about Tommy is that we talk about a lot of really difficult things, but it's always represented in a joyful way. We can have these really hard conversations and it doesn't have to be kind of doom and gloom. You know, I always want to like uplift the spirit, not kind of make people feel guilty. And so that's why there is so much color because it's ultimately who I am and I am the person behind it all. So I always want to bring hard things to the surface, but in an accessible way. So I hope that answered your question. I feel like I went on a tangent, 100%. but there's a bit of no. a history there. <laughs> it was a great, it was a great tangent. And I think also, I feel like I, you spoke also a lot more about Tommy in the previous interview I did with you that's been published on the Conscious Fashion Collective side. So I'll leave a link to that because that also really explains your journey to in the industry and all the kind of challenges that you were up against uh, that inspired you to create something for people who are experiencing similar challenges. Um, So I'll leave a link to that as well as the Tommy site in the episode description, because the site is also so beautiful. And I think you get a real feel for, like you were saying, the duality of the joy and the color and community alongside really tackling these big systemic issues in fashion in a way that feels accessible and welcoming. So you have to go and check out (laughs) Tommy's work for yourself (laughs) because I don't know. I think when I saw like all the panels and articles and just educational spaces for style, but beyond style, like fashion and style system, I was just really 
inspired and reminded that it's so possible to create change and it's so possible to create change in a way that feels accessible to you like you can't change sometimes yeah. in everybody's mind in the world but you can start where you are and in your own sphere of influence and community so yeah and I always say when it comes to change start with your community because that is the most accessible thing that you can do and it only catapults you to wanting to reach further but you will be very surprised at how impactful being part of your local community is and whatever community whatever community that is everyone has a different form of connection and and belonging and community but it is an amazing way to start change for sure for sure I couldn't agree more and as you were saying you enjoy lifting the spirit and always bringing like a hopeful angle to things so to end the episode I want to ask you a question that we ask every guest on the podcast just to inject some hope and <laughs> some inspiration at the that. end of the speech <laughs> and the question is what does a better future for fashion look like to you so a better future for fashion to me ultimately starts with people so it means that women are not exploited they are paid fair living wages. They are celebrated for their craft. That women of colour are in positions of power and in leadership positions. And we have the authority of our own stories, our own history, our own ancestry, our lineage. And I think that. A better future for fashion also focuses on personal style specifically where we are able to be the creators of what we wear and what we put on our bodies and that we celebrate the joy that clothing can bring while simultaneously and consciously working towards dismantling some of the systemic issues within the industry and rejuvenating it in a way that we don't harm people and planet but that we we can also inject some newness and some creativity and vision where we're all celebrated seen heard through the medium of clothing because it is very powerful Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Subscribe or follow the Conscious Style Podcast for more episodes like this one. It would also mean so much if you could take a moment to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or rating on Spotify. This helps our content on conscious fashion reach more people. Have some thoughts after listening to this episode? Let's continue the conversation over on Instagram. You can DM at Conscious Style. For more slow fashion resources, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter, The Conscious Edit at ConsciousLifeInStyle.com forward slash edit. Subscribers also get access to a 12-page roundup of sustainable fashion resources upon signing up. Again, that link is ConsciousLifeInStyle.com forward slash edit. The link is also below in the episode description. Thanks again for listening today. There will be another episode next Tuesday. 
In the meantime, you can check out our backlog of the 70 plus episodes we've already published. Bye for now and talk to you again soon.